Funding for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Chander LaFave Boaton, Crescent Fresh, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Emily K, Froppy, Ian Collis, John Griswold, Leanne S, Light Relentless, Sam Solero, Stella, and Teresa. Become a part of our Patreon today, join our Patreon-exclusive Discord, and get access to bonus episodes and commentaries at patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. Well, it's a little... It's a little bit late, but with with the new year and with the holiday season, you know, uh, Santa Claus, perhaps whoever your holiday figure is that you uh, that that you believe in that you adhere to, they do bring miracles together. Welcome everybody to the first episode of Elwood City Limits of 2019, the very first episode of Arthur season six. My name is Will Young, and it is an all-star NBA Jam <laughs> front line we've got today. This Not is the do- this is the Golden State Warriors of uh, of Arthur <laughs> podcasts right now. Not only do we have my regular co-host Lucas Mancini. Hello, hello. But we also have a uh, frequent guest friend of the show, uh, Justin at JV Varghese. Hey, JV. Hey, it's great to be back on the air uh, with you, Will, and the first time actually on the air with Lucas. It's actually a pleasure meeting you. I, I already said this in our in our <laughs> pre-setup banter, but I feel like Lucas and I could have very deep conversations about hip-hop. Maybe we'll have to save that for another time, because I know right now we're going to have some deep conversations about Arthur, but regardless, really stoked hey, to be back on with y'all. Hey, if I, something comes up, I say no time like the present. <laughs> Exactly, and I, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, up to this point, we've been like two ships passing in the night. Never the two shall meet. Uh, and you've done a great job filling in when I've been unavailable. But it's it's going to be a fun time to have everybody on the same podcast. So a lot of cooks in the kitchen is not necessarily always a bad thing. So I'm excited. Speaking of of cooked, mm. uh, I know we have probably have some emails, but we're going to be talking about Sue Ellen getting her goose cooked later on in the show. Very true. And we are going to get to those uh, in just a second. Of course, we wanted to invite JV back for this episode because of, uh, well, your connection to the world uh, of esports competitive gaming, which is actually a big part of the start of season six here. Uh, for those who might not be familiar, JV, uh, what is your experience uh, with being an esports commentator? When What was it like in the year of 2018, which we've just passed? Yeah, being an esports caster, um, it's been a lot of fun for me. Uh, for those who don't know, I, I kind of started off very grassroots, focusing on on games like Smash, uh, because those were the games that naturally I was I was pretty good at and had an inclination for. Uh, and then I did after doing that for uh, about two years, I made a conscious effort to really dive in as much as I could into as many other games as possible because. You know, I enjoy so many different games, and so uh, because of that, uh, within a year, I was able to work with all sorts of folks like uh, MLG, uh, Blizzard, the Pokemon Company, uh, on a whole bunch of titles like uh, Hearthstone, uh, Call of Duty, Halo, Pokemon Tournament. I mean, the list goes on and on. Like, I feel like I've done probably a dozen different games at a variety of levels, whether they're grassroots events. 
uh, arena style events or simple online qualifiers. But it's just been a lot of fun. Uh, and I've just had a phenomenal time doing it. I didn't really get to do as much in 2018, especially with wedding planning and whatnot. But 2019 is looking really promising, uh, to say the least. And I'm really eager to dive into some Smash Ultimate, uh, as well as some other new games that are just on the horizon. So very excited. JV, we might as well get this out of the way up front. I got to <laughs> know, what is your Smash? Two questions. One, what is your Smash main? And... Do you have a Overwatch League team that you're going to be rooting for here in 2019 once the season gets started? Great questions. Uh, so my main is interesting. In Smash 64, which is the game that I'm best at, I play Falcon. Yes. Uh, but in every other iteration of Smash, I am a tried and true Ganon main. Now that oh, is that's a brutal. flex. That's a flex. Dude, you know how, how much it sucks to be Ganon when Brawl was around? Literally, Ganon Sheik is a 100-0 matchup. Think about that. 100-0, my dude. There is, like, no chance for a Ganon to win if the Sheik knows what they're doing in that game. But fortunately, I didn't have to play too much Brawl. Um, I had a great time playing Ganon in, in Melee, uh, PM, and Smash 4, and now in Ultimate. Oh, He's just been buffed up so well. The nooch is so nice. The smash attack's getting that Ike-style coverage. I'm about it, man. I'm 100% about it. But whenever I'm not playing Ganon in this new game, I like to uh, mess around with my big dumb fur baby, Incineroar, because revenge into Duff City is way too good, man. Let me tell you. And he's got the wrestling moves. And oh, yeah. so do you, do you have an Overwatch League team? Do we have a team that we're rooting for in 2019? Um. I, uh, you know, I, I'm in the DFW area, so for better or for worse, I'm tied to the Dallas Fuel. I'm hoping that maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe they can turn it around. Maybe. Hey. I mean, it's, it's just tough, right? Like, they came into last season, and every single analyst predicted that they would be in the top four. And so for them to finish actually in the bottom four last season, it was uh, definitely a swift kick for sure. Uh, but honestly, I'm actually really rooting for Soul, funny enough. Um, and and I, I, I was actually, I've been a Soul fan for a while. Um, and it's been kind of tough because Miro was kind of the tank that I studied for so long, but he just didn't do a great job adapting to the league overall. Uh, so with Fisher moving from the Gladiators to, to Soul, uh, I'm really curious to see what that kind of impact will be, especially when you have uh, a support player like Jay Hong backing up all of Fisher's dives and whatnot. I feel like it's going to be really, really stellar to see Soul have this second wind of sorts. Listen, or they're just going to topple entirely like they did last year, but I'm hoping more towards the former rather than the latter. Listen, I, I was critical of your, your Dallas fuel pick, but I'm a, I have hitched my wagon to the Toronto Defiant, and things are not looking good uh, for that roster. Sure, we have names like Nico and stuff like that, but uh, I, they're not looking as good as the other Canadian team, uh, the Vancouver Titans, but still, uh, I, I've hitched my wagon to the six, and I hope they do well in 2019. Yeah, did the Titans just get Runaway? Essentially, isn't that? Yeah, it's isn't it's, it's runaway? just Runaway. Yeah, yeah, and th that's going to be really fun. I think that that squad to watch. Uh, again, it it can be a little bit of a mixed bag, of course. Whenever you have those really pro Korean rosters shifting over to the league, I mean, in, in the case of 
Uh, Nixle, it worked really well. In the case of Seoul, it, it didn't work so well, which was definitely a surprise given the caliber of team uh, beforehand. Uh, but hopefully they can adapt really well. And, you know, in regards to Toronto, you know what? You, it could have been worse. You could have been rooting for the justice, okay? I'm That's telling true. you, that team... It could always be worse. I could be rooted for Shanghai. Okay, hang on, hang on. I'm just going to say I have hopes for Shanghai this year. I actually have hopes for Shanghai this year. I feel like the Justice is going to be the team that's probably going to be the new Shanghai, if you will. But I think that Shanghai is probably going to be middle of the pack this year. Uh, They've basically just completely overhauled their entire roster with the coaching staff, uh, even down to individual talent. Uh, I think they just kept two players from the previous roster. And so they've brought on a whole new powerhouse uh, group of players who I think can really make a significant impact. And I mean, don't get me wrong, when your previous season record was 0-40, a significant impact is one win, but I feel like they could do a little bit more than that, to be honest. So, Will, <laughs> did we get any emails this week? <laughs> I did a spit I, take. Full disclosure, I, I literally just did a spit take. <laughs> I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was, and now what it is seems weird and scary to me. It'll happen to you. <laughs> Uh, Lucas, real quick, uh, who are you maining in Smash Ultimate? Oh, of course, uh, same as always, my Pikachu. my boy Pikachu, baby. Ooh, great. Uh, but I but I have been I have been playing with uh, Inkling and Bayonetta as second mains, but I I'm sticking with my dude. He got a big buff, uh, my buff boy. So uh, uh, of course, Pikachu ride or die, even if it was bad. I I I'm always made in that. My yellow friend. <laughs> <laughs> Pikachu's really good in this in this game, actually. Uh, I think that the engine suits Pika really well. Uh, there's plenty of aerial pressure that this game favors in contrast to shielding as much, and the combo game for Pika is ridiculously strong. Like, I think Pichu has the stronger moveset overall, but the fact that it damages itself and how light it is kind of counteracts uh, a bit in regards to that character's viability, especially uh, you know as the game goes on. But I feel like Pika right now is just in, in such a prime position. You know, we had the first Smash Ultimate Major this previous weekend, and a Pikachu player named Esam actually got second place there. So, you know, really shows, I think, a lot in regards to how good Pika is, especially now. Because they were already so good before, but in this new engine, it's, it's just such a great fit. I'm smelling the side podcast here. I'm gonna put it out there. I've, been, I've been looking for maybe some more Patreon content for 2019. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but all I'm saying is I would love to. I'd love to be the Roz to the to the two Frasers we got going on here in terms of <laughs> video games and esports. I think we got something here. Man, you just you cracked open the the gaming rabbit hole, okay? And yeah. it's literally my job to talk about this this stuff nonstop. So. I'm gonna do it, <laughs> and you do, and you do it very well. I was not pleased when you were not when you were not nominated in the video game awards for best esports announcer. <laughs> I'm still, you know, I'm I, I feel like I've I've done a, a good amount of stuff so far, but the way that I always view it is that I'm still a very small fish in this massive ocean, and there's just mm-hmm. so much great talent for me to learn from, and to that are, I see right now as kind of my mentors. Uh, and I'm hoping to work really hard to the point where those people are now my rivals, if you will, in a, in a friendly sort of way. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's just a process, you know? Yes. Uh, so so after a little bit of ado there, let's get into our emails, our first of the year over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Also want to give a shout out uh, to our new patrons as of this recording, which, hey, in the next 
couple of weeks we might have a couple of new ones. So if I don't mention you, my apologies. But Crescent Fresh and Emily K., Thank you for uh, subscribing to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. As we exit Season 5, I feel it's only right to read this email from Johnny Griswold, who took a listen to our Season 5 recap podcast. Two things crossed my mind, he says. With some research, I was reminded that Arthur was a perennial nominee for the Emmys well into the 2000s, and that Seasons 2 and 3 also won for Best Children's Series. My other realization is that the Emmy nomination process is dependent on individually submitted episodes and not for the whole season's body of work. That would explain the accolades despite the low points, but unfortunately, I was unable to find which episode was submitted. So that's from Johnny G. Happy Holidays and Happy New Year from the Chicago area. Uh, I guess you can call that our corrections section because that kind of <laughs> now I think we have to go back and re-record season five because I guess uh, one of my one of my complaints on the season was kind of uh, based off of faulty logic. Johnny, thank you very much for bringing that to my attention. I'm also I'm also very curious which episode from last season would have been would have been nominated, but it seems I was incorrect. Arthur's been getting uh, recognition, at least nomination. Uh, for longer than I realized. So uh, please excuse me. I was the one who was putting forth the, ah, this is the bad season that Emmy nominated. I didn't deserve it, that sort of thing. <laughs> so that's so that's my fault. I apologize. Good, thi- good thing we're not experts or anything. Exactly. Uh, we got an email from Kelsey Marie, who has her uh, top five episodes of season five, which includes Bitsy's Bow, Family Feud, The Lousy Week, The Cave, and You Are Arthur. Those are some top-notch episodes from that season. Yeah, I think each, all of those episodes were either on yours or my lists, or at least in our honorable mentions. I know I threw The Cave in honorable mention uh, for introducing us to Cave Daddy. Uh, Absolutely. Yes. Something we can't thank them enough for. <laughs> and, and finally, we have one here from Lion Dog ZXA who discovered our podcast late this October, instantly fell in love with it. Thank you very much. Your in-depth discussions on Arthur, of all things, are both funny and informative. I'm very excited for what is probably this episode, Sue Ellen Gets Your Goose Cooked and The Best of the Nest. Always a favorite of mine when I was younger. (laughs) On the subject of competitive gaming, what games do you play competitively? I'll be honest, I usually play games for the fun of it. I've tried hard to get into competitive Pokemon, but it's way too complex than it needs to be. However, I can play a pretty decent Roy or Duck Hunt in Smash Brothers. So, we've talked about kind of games that mostly you guys watch competitively, and you are playing Smash. Have there been any other games that you have played uh, competitively? Uh, I mean, me personally, I, I'm never good enough to play anything competitively. Uh, like, I, yeah, I, I play too. I play Smash, but, uh, uh, like, I have my friends who have, have competed in weeklies and stuff around here. Uh, and I actually, I have a, a, a classmate of mine in college uh, competed at Evo for Mortal Kombat. He was, like, came in, like... 60th or something at Evo. He came wow. in the top in top 30 in Canada at for uh, Mortal Kombat. Um, but uh, uh, me personally, like I'll play with my friends, but I'm pretty bad at Smash compared to them. I, I the two games I'm best at are two games that no one plays competitively, and that's uh, Star Wars Battlefront, not the new one, but the old one from yeah. the early 2000s. I do had a good one. Yeah, the good one. Uh, I was a savage at that, and also uh, WWE 2K14, specifically 14. Uh, I would say that I am at least, and I can say this pretty confidently, the fourth best WWE 2K14 player 
here in all of Nova Scotia. I think we've talked about this before, Will. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, we, me and my friends uh, were able to do things with that game that no person should be able to do by memori- memorizing all of the timing uh, and tr- treating it way more seriously than it deserved. Uh, but those are me. What about uh, JV and Will? I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys say. I'll just uh, I'll, I'll I'll talk about mine real quick because I am I'm not really a competitive person, so I kind of stay away from uh, competitive gaming. Like I I remember I did a uh, what was it? It wasn't no, it wasn't Street Fighter. It wasn't Smash. It was oh, it was um, uh, UMVC three. I did a like small tournament at uh, Halcon, our local convention, a couple years ago. And my friend kicked my butt. Like I'm <laughs> like I I was mainly just mashing it out. Uh, no good at fighting games. Um, I think I, ch- I remember I tried to play Rocket League competitively like once and I was so bad that people in the chat were like, unplug your console and that <laughs> just kind of humb- humbled me. Uh, the only other thing I can say and this, uh, all I can say is that the day that I buy Windjammers and I go online, I'm going to mess up some people's lives. Like oh, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty good at Windjammer, so I'm. Oh, I'm willing are to we gonna have to throw down, Will? Oh, we'll make this yes. happen right now, bro. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll unplug the mic. We'll get on PlayStation and we'll throw down on some Windjammers right now. No problem, man. Come at I, me. Step up, Will. Oh, jeez. I well, for, okay. First, I need to buy it. Then, then, and also, I need to, I need to add you on on PlayStation as well. Then we can get something going. There we go. There we go. That'll be that'll be maybe a Patreon exclusive. Is... Yeah. <laughs> Grudge match. I love that. Sounds... No, you'll you'll probably destroy me, but but it's cool to to uh, I guess meet somebody else who enjoys Windjammers. My oh, wind. so uh, former co-caster is actually the one that got me into it. Uh, a guy named uh, Nabil Pervez. He used to work for uh, the Houston Outlaws, and now he works for his own creative agency. But yeah, Windjammers neat game for sure uh, i think it's it's one of those classics that that way too many people sleep on and jv uh have you played any competitively yeah um the game that i was competitive in was uh super smash brothers 64 uh i uh, really that, that's that's oh, yeah. the, do that competitively yeah oh yeah yeah man oh, the, okay. the, actually you know one of the best players in the world is a canadian funny enough um I, I don't remember exactly where he lives it's it's not like a major city or anything like that and his tag is um super boom fan this dude is ridiculous when it comes to this game uh by far the best player in north america contended for one of the best players in the world and the the things that he does and the amount of characters that he plays at a top level is absolutely ridiculous like his falcon is pretty nasty you know it's not necessarily the most flashy falcon but it's really smart um and i think it, it it's it's technical from a from a neutral game perspective less from a combo game perspective but it's really neat uh, but yeah, I'm nowhere near his level. He destroyed me pretty consistently on all the games that we played. Uh, but I pl- competed um, kind of at a at a regional level for 64. You know, back in the day, I was the top player in DFW, one of the top players in the South. Uh, but from there, I've just fa- had these old man hands and just fallen off so heavily that now I am definitely closer to the, the middle of the pack when we're talking about the south and not even like a contender if we're talking internationally well i mean it's uh it's it's always it's it's a world that i can't say that i know too much about but i'm always kind of interested to find out uh how 
people, how people compete. And I mean, this has been going on for much longer than I've been alive. So it's, you know, there's probably a depth to it that I don't even realize. And again, if you're wondering, uh, I, I, you may be wondering, why the heck are you guys talking about gaming and esports and competitive gaming so much? Well, it actually ties into the theme of the episode. So you just hang on to your hat. We're getting there. By the way, uh, thank you to everybody who sent us an email, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Got a very nice one from a new Instagram account that I'm following, Elwood City Citizen. Check them out over there. All right, so it's time for us to get into Season 6, and I've got a couple of quick notes here about the beginning of the season. So the biggest change that we're going to see from now on is that Michael Yarmish, who is the long-tenured voice of Arthur so far, he is out as the official voice uh, and he's being replaced by a young fellow named Justin Bradley. Uh, Lucas, you may recognize him if you ever saw the show Mona the Vampire. Uh, show us your fangs. Hey, Mona, uh, who did he play on Mona the Vampire? Is he the titular he, Mona? No, he was Charlie, Mona's friend. Charlie, okay. The kid who wore like the, the, the weird superhero suit. Oh, okay, okay. That Yeah, that rings a bell. He's got a real Canadian accent. I don't know if it really shows up in this one, but I think it will after a while. So there you go. Michael Yarmish will not show up until much, much later in the show. By the way, uh, friend of the show, DJ Bob, had a great interview with Michael Yarmish on the DJ Bob show. Go check, go check that out. Very impressive stuff. And the other big change I wanted to note here is that the Arthur credits, I don't know if you guys... Uh, watch all the way to the credits, but there's a shortened remix of the Arthur theme that's playing during the end credits. Okay. That, yeah. I didn't know if we were going to talk about this from the jump or talk about this at the end. Let's uh, talk about it now. But this this remix of the Arthur theme song, uh, I, I don't know why I didn't remember this from childhood, and I did not know this was coming, but this, like, Eurobeat... <laughs> like house remix of the Arthur theme is probably the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, it has definitely gotten 2019 off to a good start. Uh, the random vocal samples from different, like this sounds like something like this is like sandstorm Darude level, like early nineties, like world trance. Like they're playing this during the rave in the matrix. Like this is good stuff. This is like, and, and and it's just so it's just not something I was expecting. Have you did you know this was coming, Will? No, I can't say that I did. It's actually I found out it's to promote the third music album that was going to be coming out along with this season. But I didn't remember this at all. Like I took a listen to this, I'm like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> yeah, uh, I I think I vaguely remembered the uh, the the credits changing into that the Eurobeat style. Um, so it, it was one of those things that I remembered, but it was still a really pleasant surprise whenever it came to the end credits. It was like, oh, wow, it's now these seasons. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I texted, a, I have a friend who's really into Eurobeat, and I texted them excitedly about how the Arthur ending now is a Eurobeat remix of the theme song. And then they texted me back to drift the crazy bus like it was Initial D, uh, uh, the anime about drifting cars that has all the yeah. Eurobeat in it. So. Uh, that, I very much appreciated that, and I thought about drifting the crazy bus to oh. this song. Initial D is some great music, and I'm just like, is is there like a, 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 a like a fan remix of Crazy Bus in the Initial D? Oh, like, I don't is, think I know be, about this. Oh no, I I, I just wonder, if, is there like a in you know like Crazy Bus that bus oh. is so crazy? <laughs> no, I don't. I I'm not from Crazy it, Bus. Oh I've just been in this place before. You know that kind of stuff. Yeah, that I sounds amazing. 
Yo, I think it's called Bus, Bus, Bus. I'm not sure. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm shocked I don't know about this already. This is like... This is like you've concocted something in a lab made just for me. I got. I have to look this up later. Yeah, me too. All right, so let's get it started. It is uh, Sue Ellen gets her goose cooked. And so we have to talk about this right away because it's the first thing that we see on screen after the theme song. It's the cold open of the show. Arthur's explaining how virtual goose works. I've wondered this ever since I saw this episode. How does this video game work? Well, is it like is it like a it seems to me it's like a competitive rhythm game that you play online? Question mark. I feel like it's kind of like um if you've ever played Pokemon Stadium, uh there's that one game when uh you're either Pikachu or or Voltorb and if it's blue you have to push the A button as fast as you can, if it's green you have to push the green the B button as fast as you can. So I feel like it's that, just with a couple of different colors, and uh, each color probably corresponds to a different key on the on the computer, is what I'm assuming. JV, it's more like a reaction game and a, and a mash game. JV, I think you I think you have the right idea, and I, I I suspected the same. Except the part that's extra confusing is the competitive nature, because there's only one goose, and so it's kind of unclear how like. If it's purely like who's just doing it better, it's it's the visuals they provide us with. It makes it very unclear of like, okay, who's doing what and why is like this person getting the points and not this person. Yeah, I, there's there's no individual gauge or anything like that, like the way the Pokemon game does. But at the very least, you have like those high scores, I guess, uh, on the side as as a running score tracker. So I don't know. It, we could we could dissect. The, uh, the I think the the game design philosophy behind Virtual Goose as as much as we can, but there honestly probably isn't too much to it. To be frank, I mean, they just did their best. <laughs> so this is probably just a flash game. This uh, no, well, that, that actually brings me to my next question, which this this cold open brings up more questions than answers, because uh, they talk about how they they found Virtual Goose on the net. Uh, and it, it begs the question: like, is Virtual Goose shareware? Is it a flash game? Like, did they predict Steam? Um, how did they get this game off the internet? Well, I was I was curious too because I was still a little young for it. Into this is two thousand one when this is coming out, uh, so I'm not really a hundred percent certain what the state of online gaming was in two thousand one. The Arthur Police they can they can hear you and they're they're coming for us for this virtual goose slander. So uh, it, 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 it may just be like a flash game, but my my God, the net code is amazing. Like, <laughs> it's true. They got GGPO installed. <laughs> uh, no one's dropping any frames in Virtual Goose. This, this is better than Quake 3 Arena. Mm-hmm. Like, this is instantaneous. <laughs> yeah, I think the one of the big surprises is, you know, if you play online and somebody beats you and you want that run back, they'll usually leave the lobby and you're just like, come! Come on, man! But at least in this game, it seems like everybody's like, "All right, you want to you want to keep getting these hands? We can stay here as long as it takes, buddy. No problem." Everybody has very good netiquette in this episode. Like nobody, nobody griefs. Nobody is spamming the chat. Nobody aborts. Like leaves the lobby. Like this is uh, this is a good primer for kids on how to act online. So speaking of the competitors in Virtual Goose, so we we open on the the kids all playing Virtual Goose. Uh, Sue Ellen is probably the best of the group at playing it. Her her name is Black Belt 44. By the way, lots of great if you need a gamer tag, lots of great gamer tags <laughs> for all the Arthur fans in this episode. Oh, um, we'll get to she, we'll get to my favorite. 
and and she's she's competing against someone uh, in China, and this is another like ooh, yikes uh, uh, portrayal. When they, when they cut to the person in China, it's just a little like overly stereotypical, like especially the mm. the way their apartment is decorated. I was like, oh, I don't know so much about but, this. This is very much to, of its time. But to be fair, I mean, you're right, Lucas. But I mean, perhaps the Arthur writers either knew about or predicted the rise of online gaming and esports in China. That's true. Oh, I, I, hey, I, their pick of a Chinese person, I think that's it's pretty good at illustrating, like, oh, Virtual Goose is a worldwide phenomenon. You can play with people across the globe. It's not that part I take issue with. It's just a little bit. It reminded me about when Buster comes back from uh, uh, his oh, vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, Osama Tezuka is the god of manga. Um, yeah. It, it, it was a little bit like that. And it, also, the, the person they're playing against says something in Chinese. And I tried to figure it out. I, I, I was looking at the uh, Arthur Wikia article. But I, I couldn't figure out what this person actually says, uh, so I am really curious what they say in Chinese at Suellen in frustration. Yeah, if we have any, if we have any Chinese listeners or listeners who are fluent in Mandarin or uh, whatever whatever language this may be, for, uh, these, whatever Chinese dialect this may be, please let us know. I am I am rather interested in that. So that so that's kind of the setup. We have Virtual Goose. Sue Ellen is the best at it, and they are going to be playing uh, some important games over at Muffy's place. Obviously, she's going to have the uh, the most well-to-do compute PC. She's going to have that tricked-out 2001 PC. Yeah, so she's got that the- water-cooled. You know, she's got a t- uh, a Titan in there. Oh uh, yeah, that good old RTX one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Arthur did the narration in the cold open. What do you think of the new voice? I was fine with it, honestly. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, it's it's kind of tricky because I feel like the, the classic voice is is what I will always hold to the highest degree is like the most canon Arthur voice. Mm-hmm. But but even in the last season, you know, rewatching it, there was just points where I was I was okay with it because I could tell it was the same person. But it's still getting to be a, a bit of a stretch just because. You know, it's it's very clearly like this post-pubescent young man that's doing this voice, and at some points they splice in like old Arthur voice, random mm-hmm. you know audio clips here and there, and it just got a little bit like unclean from it from time to time. So you know, I I feel like now that I'm a little bit older, I'm going into this new voice with a more open mind than I did whenever I was a kid, to be honest. I was surprised by how much I liked the voice. Uh, in, in some voice changes in the cast uh, up to this point, I've really not liked. For instance, Brain. We've talked about this before, how I really didn't like when they changed Brain's voice. Uh, but I think Justin Bradley does a really good job. Um, first of all, it doesn't really sound that different than when uh, Michael Yarmish was a little kid, so it's not super noticeable. Uh, but even knowing that it's a different voice, I, I like the inflection and I like the acting. Like I think I think Justin Bradley does... Uh, a fairly good job and also commenting on some of the changes in the overall audio design in general uh, this comes back later on in the episode but I noticed that they're using a lot more new sound effects that they haven't used in the first five seasons uh, mm-hmm. later on uh, uh, Sue Ellen starts seeing goose stuff everywhere uh, and also Buster's doing aerobics like during that whole section um, there's there's new sound effects and like audio bits uh, uh, that 
haven't shown up in the previous episode. And I know, Will, you are like Pavlovian with the the <laughs> Arthur audio cues. You must have noticed that they're they're using new stuff. It's not just the same like because I know we all know the the iconic Arthur like oh like his big yell and there's so many sounds they use over and over, but they've added a bunch of new ones. I think you've got me beaten in that regard, actually. I, I, I don't know if I noticed. I mean, of course, they have the new ones for, like, the game and stuff like that. But I don't, like, it, it would be something else for me to kind of notice the, the individual sound effects. So I think you you did that very well. Um, I agree with you guys. I think Justin Bradley acquitted himself very well. I believe he's only on for this season uh, before he's replaced. So we won't get much time with him. But I thought he sat like he makes Arthur sound very polite and he enunciates very well, too. So I think, you know, for for a kid actor at the time, uh, fellow Canadian as well, I think he did. I think he did very well. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of happy to get Arthur back in a higher register. Not that I disliked Michael Yarmish's deeper voice, but uh, I, it just kind of feels more true to the character. Uh, so we start off the episode, Arthur is getting ready to go to Muffy's, and we actually get a callback here. We get a couple of callbacks in this episode. Uh, he's got the shavings of his lucky pencil that he's bringing with him. I always and appreciate that, because that's a season one callback, isn't it? I think that's season two, but that's still years ago. So yes. yeah. they, they didn't have, they certainly didn't have to do that. Uh, but DW is holding him hostage, essentially, because he promised to play with her for... Uh, was it one hour? No, it was an hour, right? Yep. At first? Yeah, so she, he, he promised to play with her for an hour if she let him watch uh, what what like a documentary on the making of Bionic Bunny. And interesting fact here, so Arthur's watching the TV in this flashback, and he's it's like this documentary subject. It's actually Mark Brown. Oh, yeah. that's uh, who that was. I, I, I took a guess because... The, the classic Arthur glasses were kind of in the background of that, but that's really cool to get confirmation. Yeah, I didn't recognize him at first because I'm so used to seeing Mark Brown with, like, sort of the, the salt and pepper gray hair, uh, but that is, a, like, a young Mark Brown. Yeah, and, and so he's the stereotypical, like, boring documentary subject. Like, I don't, I've heard him speak before. He is not, he is not nearly that dry, uh, but DW is, like, trying to explain, like, how boring it it was that he was watching that. And so Arthur uh, promised to play with her for an hour if he let him watch this TV program. Uh, a couple of, again, in-universe stuff, callbacks almost. So Arthur plays with his glasses when he says that to DW, meaning that he was fibbing. Oh, which, which, I didn't even notice that. What I did notice was that I guess Mary Mukow, uh got renewed like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They brought it back after being <laughs> canceled. I mean, it could be just uh, remember that the the dark bunny was was basically put on hiatus so that they could show all those reruns of Mary Mukow. So maybe that could be what it is. That's true. They're getting that those sweet sweet syndication dollars. That's that that is true. <laughs> yeah, there's no Netflix to save Mary Mukow today. Uh, I also heard from the incidental dialogue from Mark Brown that the character of Bionic Bunny, uh, in his alter ego, works at a TV studio. For what that's worth. Uh, so DW is asking Arthur whether he wants to play, uh, one of them was, one of the board games was Rocks in a Box. Which has real rocks. In a real box. <laughs> and Tower of, and Tower of Cows, which we've seen before. But then Arthur, he's dead, he is even more desperate to get away to go to virtual, to the virtual goose finals. So he promises to play with her for two hours and then DW, uh, puts him back up to three and makes him sign on a napkin. 
She knows she she knows how to she knows how to haggle. And Art and she and she knows a desperate man when she sees one. Uh, Arthur does finally get away. Uh, they're having trouble with. Uh, so this is at the virtual goose kind of uh, competition they're having. They're having trouble with somebody online named Forehand Four Fifty One, which is uh, again another really really good screen name. And uh, Buster thinks that it could be a mutant sheep uh, that that has that is genetically modified to have four arms, made by like a goat scientist. Did you see? Did you happen to catch Arthur's screen name? No, I didn't. Did you? I, it's like Ant Muncher or something. Yeah, it's Ant <laughs> Muncher. It's Ant Muncher fifty two. Oh man, that <laughs> that's good. Okay, so um, I, I don't suppose that we saw any of the other kids' screen names. We got We got to think. We got to think of. So we got Buster, Francine, and Muffy. What would their screen names be? Oh geez, well I'm sure Muffy's something about being rich, like big do- big dollar bala, you know something something. <laughs> big, uh, big gal, 1995. I'm about that. <laughs> Buster's probably would just have his screen name would just be like Vegeta 85 or something <laughs> like that. Um, and <laughs> super Saiyan SSJ3, yeah, uh, Gohan XXX, and, and, and meanwhile like. Uh, uh, Francine's would probably just be like, uh, you know, Pittsburgh Penguins fan, twenty five, or like yeah. whatever her favorite sports team is. So I have to ask, just kind of piggybacking off of this conversation, what were y'all's old embarrassing screen names? Because I gotta know whether that was mm-hmm. on on AIM or on Xbox Live or whatever. I have to know now. Okay, so my screen name uh is actually. The my it's uh, my it's st- my still active hotmail address. I've had this since elementary school. Oh, it was God. it was Wizard Will twenty five because my favorite Digimon was Wizardmon. That's I also impressive. I I also had one that I liked. So this is this is even nerdier. But um, when do you guys remember Metabots? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. So they had a website where you could play uh, pretty cool games, as I remember, but you had to sign up. And so my name there was Space Metafighter X 3D because I loved the character Space Metafighter X, but I had to make him different. So I just added 3D for some reason. That's those not the, bad. That's pretty inspired. Yeah, wow. That, those is, are the, that is way better than mine. <laughs> so those are the ones I can remember. What about y'all? Uh, mine was, I was way into Team Fortress 2, and this was before they actually, uh, so mine was just Meet the Pyro, because there was all those Meet the Skits, but there wasn't mm-hmm. one for the Pyro at the time, so I, I made mine Meet the Pyro, because I was dedicated, I remember even as a young kid, I was like, I cannot have w- numbers in my name, uh, so I, I always, I worked really hard to get one that, like, was long, or, or something that hadn't already been taken, so Meet the Pyro was my old screen name. Yeah, mine, you know, I, I didn't get into online gaming until I was a little bit older. Um, and I guess I was I was a, an edgy high schooler because my name online was a sweatshop kid. Ooh. <laughs> oh. So anytime, anytime you'd get a kill, I, I, you'd be killed by me. You'd be like, you were killed by a sweatshop kid. And I thought that that was really funny whenever I was younger. <laughs> I, think, I think in hindsight, I probably wouldn't go with that name now, but whatever <laughs> we all we all made choices when we were ki- when we were kids man why uh, can i be the kid who was just like dark prince 67 or yeah. something right yeah. like, smoke, smoke uh, dog 420 <laughs> <laughs> uh 
and I, I also I also want to mention, speaking of uh, since I since I'm thinking of Digimon now, we got like a little bit of a season two Digimon twist on everybody's wearing goggles and gloves uh, to the virtual goose matches. Yeah, this clearly is a- this is a pre-Gunner's world, all right? Because these kids are out here with their lab goggles, basically. Like, we're reducing the glare here, right? <laughs> Except for Muffy. Muffy's got that 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 good crosswire money to get up the the prototype Gunners, I think, is, is what went down. Yeah, like, Arthur's wearing, like, swim goggles. Uh, uh, and, and, like, Sue Ellen's wearing, like, safety goggles. Like, everybody's goggles are different, and they just kind of seem like things they got from around the house. Yeah, it's great. Um, uh, we do see a couple of times there's a watermark in the corner of the game, virtualgoose.com. I just want to put that out there. That domain is now available for $3,000. So, uh, yeah, throw down some money. Get virtualgoose.com. Get that going. That's the Patreon stretch goal. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Sure, if we're making $3,000 a month, I'll buy virtualgoose.com. What I'll do with it. I have no friggin' idea, but sure, I'm going to put that up tonight. Uh, we do get a shot here. So Sue Ellen's really into the game, but even she can't beat forehand 451. In fact, she's pulling all-nighters she, on, on her little, like, what were the names of those Apple computers with, like, the colored backs on them? Oh, jeez. Um, uh, like, yeah. Is it My an friend- iMac or... or it- oh. Oh, my friend had one. It was it was colored orange, but Sue Ellen's is colored blue, and she's playing Virtual Goose all night. Um, do you guys uh, remember a game that you played like all night long, like her, like into um, the wee hours? Yeah, we we definitely had. Um, I, I forgot. I think it was my my little brother's birthday or something, and this was back when I lived in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, my cousins from Seattle drove down and. I have a big family, so it was a lot of cousins, and I just remember playing Diddy Kong Racing, like, probably from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. Whoa! Did you beat, you must have beat the whole game. Well, yeah, I mean, we'd already, we already trounced Wizpig twice, and then, you know, done it again with the uh, reverse courses as well, but... I think we were just playing for fun with like our, uh, our 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 cousins and whatnot, and that was just kind of the thing that we would do. I think that was like the first all nighter I ever pulled as a kid was a separate occasion where I went up to Seattle um, to visit some family, and sure enough, it was one of those things where whenever I was feeling tired and getting ready to go to bed, somebody else woke up and they'd want to play games with me, and so we just keep playing games, man. It was good times. Nintendo sixty four, best console, man. Hell I will yeah. die with 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 those words. Hell for yeah, sure. I got three. Uh, I, I, I won't spend three. too much time on this, but uh, I, I once stayed up all night playing uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 at a sleepover. Oh, uh, uh, so good. Nice. I, I beat the fear at like 5 a.m. Oh, uh, nice. uh, I once spent all night playing, uh, well, I've spent many a night playing WWE 2K14. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I've spent many a night playing various Halo games with my friends. Ooh. Okay, so so now, Lucas, you've piqued my interest a little bit. So I have to ask you, you know, if you had to rank the Metal Gear Solid games from your Uh-oh. favorite to least favorite, ma- main games only, all right? I don't want to talk about Peace Walker, even though it was, it was you know, it was still fun. Uh, and also Halo, main games only. Oh. Let's hear so, it. 
So I'm not Let's a Halo expert. I've only that's one of those game series where I've only really played at uh, other friends' houses, and I've only really played the multiplayer. I've never actually beaten a Halo game myself, so same. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not really qualified, but I will. I am very qualified to speak on Metal Gear. Uh, my favorites are in this order, and this is a pretty hot take. So please be kind, everyone. Um, from order of most favorite to least favorite, uh, it is four, one, oh. two, five, three. Really? Wow. Are we yeah. going to have to throw hands? Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> that is a hot take. Because that, for me, I feel like Snake Eater is my favorite game by far. Snake, Snake Eater is in my be... top five games of all time, just yeah. for the record. But I, I don't think it's an unpopular opinion necessarily for it to be low on the list. Um, That's not what surprises me. But go ahead, JV. Well, I was going to say, you know, I feel like 4 is pretty slept on, to be honest. Um, I think that that, that game, like... What it was able to do and how it was able to take advantage of, of I think, the, 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 at the time, new generation of hardware there was absolutely incredible. Like, even when you go back and play that game, it still holds up graphically. Like, that's how much love they, they, they put, in, I think, to that engine. So, 4, for me, is, is I think, my second favorite. And then it's 1... Uh, and then two at the bottom for me. I haven't played five yet. I still need to. But what I'm hearing from my friends who I originally played Metal Gear with is five has some of the best gameplay, but also probably the the most lackluster story. And that's pretty mm-hmm. accurate. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I I I did I did I was aware of how much you really liked four, uh, Lucas, because. Uh, in preparation for five, a couple of years ago, when you and I were both working at the radio station, I was watching like the YouTube video of all the cutscenes of four, and you were like super psyched to like find out where I was in the story and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I can't really speak to that as a game. Um, I would definitely put two up higher, but I also had kind of more experience with it. Kind of, pl- I played that at a friend's house a lot when I was much younger in junior high. And uh, I also had it for PlayStation 2. Three, three, like I said, is in my top five games of all time. Love that game. Uh, five, I, I played hours and hours of that when I lived by myself. Uh, a terrific gameplay, but like you guys said, the story just completely lost me. And in, and as of as a result of that, I was like, I think, I think I'm done with Metal Gear. And it seems that Konami is too. So we'll have to wait and see for what's next. But interesting list, Lucas, and very bold choices. I like it. Uh, so let's conti- let's continue on here. Uh, we've got uh, Sue Ellen is uh, losing sleep at school because she's staying up all night playing Virtual Goose. In fact, she's hallucinating the game where uh, you know she's uh, she hallucinates Francine's head turning into a goose head. This is during the aerobics scene that you mentioned, yeah, Lucas, at the at this, the cafeteria. So it's the Tetris effect in real life. Uh, or, or sorry, it's the Tetris effect in Arthur. The the whole basis of the Tetris effect is that people who played a bunch of Tetris, they would see the blocks everywhere in their dreams and and around in, in, in reality. Even people who had short-term memory loss, who had no memories of playing the game, would still see the shapes. Like it would somehow, they would s- still have dreams of the Tetris shapes, even though they had no recollection of ever playing Tetris. So this is a, basically the virtual goose effect in that uh, Sue Ellen is seeing virtual goose assets everywhere she goes. And she's, goose, she's even... The goosing. She's, She's even like organizing her or her peas on her plate, uh, the way you would shoot the little balls in Virtual Goose, similar to how people like try and organize things like Tetris blocks when they've played a bunch of Tetris. Yeah, it's and I mean it's it's kind of a freaky image of Francine's head turning into a goose, but it's because of this uh, Sue Ellen 
you know, she like shoots a bunch of peas at Francine. And then later in the bathroom, she's like, I need to take a break from Virtual Goose, which is always a good idea if you've been playing a game for too long. Unless you're playing an all-nighter, in which case, you know, have fun. Uh, so Sue Ellen's going to take a break uh, from Virtual Goose. But there is another... Uh, th- there's kind of a running joke of like how there's different levels, these weird circuitous levels to the championships that they keep playing of Virtual Goose. But essentially... Nobody but Sue Ellen is even close to being good enough to beat Forehand 451, which is going to be the big temptation as they head over to Muffy's again to take on this mysterious Forehand 451. Also worth noting is that there's an ongoing uh, kind of background gag where uh, DW keeps trying to call her friend Emily, but her and her babysitter or her live-in maid, I forget which. uh, Nanny. Nanny, thank you. Uh, Marie-Ellen. are on a treep and and they keep changing their their voicemail message which doesn't seem to be very important but it will become incredibly important it's kind of the twist ending of this episode uh so on his way out of the house arthur um is getting ready to leave but dw is standing firm and saying that arthur owes her three hours of board games and no it's four hours actually oh remember That's right. Arthur even says, I thought it was just three. He's like, no, it was the one hour from before plus the three that you signed on for last week. I mean, her logic is sound here, and she's right to call him out. Arthur's really bad at putting things off, whether it be cleaning his room or promising to play with DW. He's writing checks that his butt can't cash, and now DW, call her the bank because she's defaulting on him. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, after this episode, I was just thinking, man... Is DW gonna grow up to be like some expert negotiator or yeah, like a DW, lawyer or something? DW's gonna be on Shark Tank. She's cutting those Kevin O'Leary deals. Oh my God, Mrs. Wonderful! Mrs. Is, is Wonderful. That <laughs> That's what the W stands for. With the W, yes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Oh, that's way too good. Mrs. Wonderful. There you have it. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, yeah, DW uh, gets to tag along with Arthur uh, to Virtual Goose, and she's very excited to be to be going to Muffy's because she keeps thinking that she'll be able to uh, – uh, she, that maybe she has a petting zoo. She'll be able to pet a whale. We, she also mentioned this a couple of times until she gets this. She wants vanilla ice cream with vanilla sprinkles and vanilla sauce, which – uh, it sounds right up my alley, and it's like one of the uh, definitely one of the whitest desserts, both literally and figuratively, uh, <laughs> I could ever want to have. But I want some vanilla ice cream with vanilla sprinkles and vanilla sauce. She's also really distraught over what order to do these things, whether to pet the whale first or to eat the vanilla ice cream. Uh, and and she's really she keeps like going back and forth like oh I can eat the ice cream first but then when I pet the whale or if I pet the whale first my hands will smell like fish and then she realizes whales are mammals and then she's like my hands will smell mammaly uh, <laughs> so that's a nice little source of comedy there. Sue Ellen is staying steadfast to her promise uh, and but is still very uh, still quite tempted to play Virtual Goose. Uh, as everybody goes to play it and they get sucked in, like they literally can't hear uh, DW asking where the petting zoo is. So Sue Ellen and DW uh, decide to have a little outing into Muffy's uh, into Muffy's mansion, and we get to see a couple of a uh, little bit of the layout here. This was this was interesting. Uh, we've only kind of seen glimpses of rooms here and there. So there's like it's big enough to have an elevator. Uh, there's a water bed in one of the rooms. She has like this abandoned game room that they find. DW gets her ice cream from this like high tech uh, 
computer that can make any kind of food? Question mark? Any kind of ice cream? Yeah, they have a replicator. This is very like late yeah. 80s, early 90s, like kids movie, kid in a big mansion montage. You know what I mean? There was like that genre of movies where it was like Richie Rich or like Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. or Blank check. Yeah, blank check. Exactly. Like little kid um, has a big house with all kinds of gadgets and they like fun around for a while. I just, I, I'm just, during this whole sequence, you know, it, first off, we get, like, this awesome look at, at all, everything that Muffy's mansion has to offer, right? And we see some stuff that we maybe haven't seen before. But the whole time I'm just thinking, man, how does a used car salesman have this kind of money, even if he owns the lot, right? That, that's got to be some deep old country trust fund money that's coming through in the Crosswire family. It's the only way. It's true. I, like this, this is a ridiculous. When you lay it out that way, like I know if he, if you own a car dealership, you do have money. You have good money. But this, this is like a really over the top mansion. You make a good point, JV. It's a used dealership. That's the thing, right? <laughs> like yeah. it's a used dealership where you, you know your the profit margins aren't nearly as much. Or at least I, I think I, I don't know anything about being a used car salesman or anything like that. Well, it's implied. Yeah, from, it's, nuts. it's implied from other episodes that it's like a dynasty, and I think you're right about old money. Like, I feel like if Ed himself didn't do it, then one of his forebears probably made like a real killing in it, and then just kind of became independently wealthy. I, I, like Richie Rich levels of of wealthy, I'm not sure, but uh, but hey, th- this this is what they got. This is this is how the one percent lived in 2001. So. <laughs> Uh, they they had everywhere nowhere to go but up. I guess that's a lot of chefs. That's that's all I gotta say. Yeah, that's a lot of chefs. What it's more chef, more chefs than we're at that pizza eating contest a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, so in this old games room where they end up, uh, Sue, Sue Ellen finds uh DW's old board game st- staple, Confuse the Goose, which she which she says that's probably what the video game was based on. This dumb kids game, and DW says, I beg your pardon. And actually becomes uh, uh, Sue Ellen's Yoda to her Luke Skywalker and uh, uh, teaches her, as Sue Ellen says later, the way of the goose. It's via this kind of off-screen thing where uh, DW is like going to teach her the finer points of Confuse the Goose. And then Sue Ellen comes back with a renewed confidence. And we return to the game. It turns out that even uh, eight hands... Can't beat forehand 451. All four kids tried to and couldn't win. Yeah, I, I want to take a step back really quickly actually yeah. into the the old toy room scene because I noticed something that I would have never picked up on as a kid. But mm-hmm. if you look in the background, you'll see a little sled that says Rosebud on it as a clear reference to Citizen <laughs> Kane. <laughs> I totally missed that. Good catch. Yeah, I missed that as well. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was it was neat. And maybe that explains some of that crosswire money. I don't know. Oh, do you, do you think that, do, oh man, do you think in the Arthur universe it was Charles Foster Crosswire? Oh, now we're making some serious big brain breakthroughs, for sure, C- man. Citizen Crosswire? Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Maybe. I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. Hey, kids out there, Photoshop, please. Citizen Crosswire, make it happen. <laughs> uh, we'll feature it on our social. I, uh, I just now see like this image of Ed Crosswire just clapping. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I'm thinking of old Ed Crosswire destroying the room at the end of that movie. 
<laughs> one of the one of cinema's greatest room destroying scenes. Oh, <laughs> uh, so Sue Ellen does indeed intend to come back because she knows the way of the goose, as DW says. It's not a. It's not about. Did she said it, she points to her brain? It's like it's not about up here. It's about in here, the heart, or something like that. And it's like you don't play with these. Like, yes, with, with her hands, you play with this. She's pointing to her her brain. I, That's I think is is how it goes. Which is which is sage advice. Let me tell you, if if whether it's a fighting game or, I guess this reaction based mashing game, uh, having a clear head and having a good mental state is super critically important and that's probably why as we see in like the 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 previous scenes where suellen's pulling these all-nighters trying to beat forehand 451 she's actually progressively getting worse because her mental state is so much worse Mm. but eventually suellen can't even really put her hands to the keyboard she 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 stumbles and then she doesn't do it uh she says a promise is a promise even if it's just to myself which i actually think is a great lesson and it's not even really like this, this isn't a lesson episode of Arthur, but I also think it's a really cool thing to put in there. It's like it's absolutely true, and I appreciate that they did that. By the way, uh, everybody, everybody's username uh, when they play all four of them is eight arms nineteen. <laughs> oh no, I did not notice that. The usernames are the writers really had fun with the usernames this episode. Yes. That's so funny. Speaking of the usernames, it leads us kind of to the end of this episode. Um, so DW. Uh, so, so Sue Ellen says she doesn't want to go back on her promise, but she knows somebody who she thinks can beat forehand 451. And it, and she looks at DW and everybody's like, no way. And then it turns out DW is actually a savant at virtual goose because of her, uh, how many, how, how much she's played confuse the goose, her screen name, my favorite of the episode, disaster warning 99. Oh man. That's so like my, that, good. That's like my SoundCloud rap name. Yes, <laughs> with the 99 as well. Yeah, it has to be, or else it's not as good. Disaster warning's one thing. Disaster warning 99 just makes it, makes it it's like, now I'm that much serious. It's crazy to think that if this episode happened to be made, you know, in, in 2018 instead of the early 2000s, it wouldn't surprise me if it was disaster warning the god. Like, as a screen name instead. <laughs> <laughs> DW would absolutely be flossing over the credits. Oh my God! I can't! I can't! I actually can't! I, I will say so. We've kind of painted this picture of DW becoming Mrs. Wonderful, but yes. I feel like before that she has a lot of potential to be a StarCraft champion. I'm not oh even my joking. Goodness. Like, really? her APM is nuts in this sequence. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Yeah, so DW does end up beating Forehand 451, and the big reveal at the end of the episode is that it. Uh, forehand 451 was Emily and Marie Ellen. Uh, they were playing together because they did indeed have four hands. And <laughs> um, we, Lucas, a couple of episodes we were talking about. Do you remember like the not so great French accents? Oh in, my in gosh! So yeah. Ma- Marie Ellen's is. I don't know if it's bad, but it's it's very it's 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 a lot. It's a lot. I She's didn't just... even know what accent they were going for in the phone messages. I was like, yeah. did did Binky make a comeback? Like the band? Like what is this accent? <laughs> I I, uh, I I didn't realize it was like French until we the second phone message where she follows up with – because DW uh, – in the first phone message, they said, we are on a trip. And DW was like, what is a trip? And then in the second phone message, she goes, a trip is a trip with a French accent. Yeah. 
And and at the very end, she's just like, "Who is this disaster whelming in '99?" <laughs> oh, jeez. That was slipping into Quebecois there for a second. They log off the game, and that's and that's the end of that part of this episode. Okay, before we get into the best of the nest, uh, here's a word from us, kids. And now a word from me, Lucas Mancini of Elwood City Limits. Don't forget to chat with your Elwood City Limits pals on social media with facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits or at ECL Podcast on Twitter. We also have a Tumblr, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com, and an Instagram, at Elwood City Limits. If you want to send us a question, send us an email and get it read on the show at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. You can find the entire episode archive at elwoodcitylimits.libsyn.com or on your favorite podcast service. If we aren't on your preferred podcast app, let us know, and we'll do our best to get on it. Thanks, as always, for supporting us here at Elwood City Limits. Now, back to the show. And we're back. The second part of the premiere episode of Season 6, it is Best of the Nest, which is also video game related. So, JV, once again, your expertise is going to be a big help here. I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now, all right? I feel like this virtual goose is Super Smash Brothers Melee, and Confuse the Goose is like Smash 64. Mm. And I'm just going to say Virtual Goose 5.0, I, I wanted it to be Smash Bros. Ultimate, but it's feeling a lot like Smash Bros. Brawl. And I'm just, I'm just going to drop that, and I'm just going to walk away and just, just let y'all process that. Because what the heck, man? It's, Speaking, it's, I, I think go, I'm picking up what you're putting down, and it's that from the jump, you know, we sort of started this episode off talking about how uh, we were trying to figure out how you actually play Virtual Goose. Uh, and Virtual Goose 5.0 is even more unclear of what the game actually is besides a series of, of tr- trivia questions. It kind of, like, from we from the episode, what we see is it's basically Dragon's Lair, where, like, it's yeah. pick one of three options, and one of them is randomly going to lead to your death. That's what it reminded me of. It's like those old, like, Don Bluth, like, uh, uh, arcade games where it was like you either go up left or right and two of the answers are going to kill you and one of them is going to keep you alive I yeah, re- and e- there's a little bit of platforming in there and it just made yes. me feel like I was watching a really crappy subspace emissary from <laughs> Brawl you know just it just ugh, what I, I wrote down that it's an adventure game with platforming elements is the closest I could get you want you want hot video game takes here's one for me Brawl's my favorite Wow. That is a hot take. Have you not played the new one? Have you not played I, the new one? No, I haven't. Dude, I haven't. seriously, okay, I'm just going to gush about ult for a second, right? Because you know me. I sure. am, when it comes to Smash, I've always been an old school kind of guy, right? My preferred one to play is 64, obviously, because I was competitive in that. I really love watching Melee. Um, and from a competitive perspective, Brawl just really didn't do it for me. I mean, the game was mm. just so slow and, and so floaty. Um, I appreciated, I guess, the intricacies in the neutral game, but it just felt so, I don't know. I, I just hated how almost every game went to time and you had like Meta Knight in there just being doing Meta Knight things. I, wh- whatever, whatever, right? But uh, it had some good yeah. things, right? Like Brawl had a banging soundtrack, good sound effects, subspace, you know, w- was... Interesting. It was kind of like fun, like an interesting take on the adventure style that was incorporated into Smash. And, and plenty of characters, right? I appreciate all of that. So what they did with this new game is that they basically were like, okay, 
You like characters? How about this for characters? Every character that's ever been in Smash ever is in this game. And we're going to be putting out new characters on top of that. Okay, awesome start already. The engine is like that perfect sweet spot, I feel, between a, a, a very fast-paced game like Melee and, and, and something like Smash 4, which is, you know, quicker than, than Brawl, but still slower than, than Melee. Like, it just feels really good. And the adventure mode, World of Light, oh my god! Like, it's a little grindy sometimes, but the actual, like, especially when you get to the end game content of that, man, it's just fire, especially if you've been playing all sorts of games growing up and whatnot. Like, it's, it is way too good. Like, that game... Honestly, I'm just going to say it. I feel like Smash Bros. Ultimate is very quickly becoming my favorite game in the, in the franchise. And I felt like I would never say that. But here I am just putting hours and hours into this game. And I absolutely love it, man. Now, JV, now JV, I know that Smash Ultimate has everyone. But does it have uh, Smarty Goose and <laughs> just, just regular Goose and... Sporty Goose. Sporty Goose. Strong Goose. I see. I'm trying to remember. Like, now I'm starting to get confused. It's like, are they Spice Girls? Are they the Geese? Because they're Sporty Spice, so they're Sporty Goose. Uh, Because the, again, um, Virtual Goose 5.0, a.k.a. Best of the Nests, is a complete overhaul for the game as we know it. It's it's completely changed, uh, which the kids are really excited by. That's true. Uh, it, I feel d- like the uh, the sporty goose, stylish goose, all that, me fighters. Okay, I can mm. make that in ultimate right now. Okay, I'm just That's a good saying. point. You should. You should. Uh, Just to close the loop on the Smash thing, I I just say Brawl's my favorite because I've literally played the most of it. I'm not kidding. Like hundreds of hours for from the day the game came out until like two years ago. Like I'd say. At least three times a month, I would play it at my friend's house with my group of friends, and it would just be our go-to. What do we do? We play Brawl, and that's that's just all we did. And we never never really competitively, just playing it with items on and like just taking off some of the stages. So I have a big soft spot for Brawl, but I can completely understand why it's not the best. It's just my personal favorite. I feel like it's really good. Like Brawl's really fun from a from a casual perspective. Like Big playing time. with a whole bunch of your friends and just having a good time there. I just feel like since I'm more of a competitive player, oh, it yeah. didn't really do it for me the the way that the other Smash games did, just because of how floaty the engine was overall. Uh, but you know, I think from a casual perspective, like more power to you, man. Brawl Brawl's fun, but I promise mm. you this: when you play this new game. It's gonna replace Brawl. I'm just, I'm just gonna guarantee it. Like, especially if you put that, put the time into it. I, I, I guarantee you're gonna like this game so much better. Like, I get it. I'm, I'm that confident. I'm getting a Switch next year, so I will most likely be getting that along with a few other games. All right. So yes, Lucas, as you said, the kids are really excited for Virtual Goose 5.0. Before we get to that, though, it starts off at Brains Mom's Ice Cream Shop. We've got a new flavor here that Buster's really excited for: French Vanilla and Fresh Fish. Lucas. Would you eat it? So if you describe it to me, yes. But now that I have the visual of like the the fins sticking out of the French vanilla, I'm gonna unfortunately have to say no. Will I will not eat the fresh vanilla, the the vanilla, the fresh fish. So we found it. We found it. We did it, everybody. It's the thing that Lucas won't eat. Oh, who who even thought that that would be like? an okay thing to do like first off I, I i'm just trying to think about how this ice cream shop is even going to store this fresh fish right 
And, and are they just making this like like going to the fish market on a daily basis just to get enough fish so that only Buster can enjoy this really random flavor? Like, what? All Is there a better- partnership with a sushi with a sushi joint across the street? I I just don't know. I Here's an even know. better question. Here's an even better question. So the kids all figure out about uh, best of the nests. They all rush out of the ice cream shop. Brain apparently has the authority to close the ice cream shop in the middle of the day. I can't imagine his parents would be too happy. He doesn't clean up and or nothing. He just bolts and switches the sign from open to closed. See, I think the answer is right before us, gentlemen. If, uh, if if this ice cream shop was doing so well, they wouldn't have to try all these kooky flavors, and they wouldn't let their kid's son close it in the middle of the day. You know what I'm saying? I'm <laughs> thinking that this that this ice cream shop isn't wouldn't be around for too long in real life. Yeah, maybe. maybe so then we kind of then again. Then we kind of get the opening cutscene of uh, uh, Best of the Nest. We get introduced to, uh, like we talked about earlier, all the gooses, geese. The geese. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so we have a, a sporty goose, stylish goose, strong goose, um, silly goose, silly goose, and of course, uh, smart smarty goose. And my very favorite of all of them. Uh, just plain goose who all the other geese are kind of like dressed like stereotypes like smarty goose is dressed like an academic you know mm. uh, sporty goose is dressed in a, in a karate gi uh, just plain goose is just dressed like arthur which is like a very funny visual gag and and silly goose is dressed like buster too oh that's true i didn't notice that i guess they couldn't think of, you should have made silly goose a jester or something instead it would have made uh just plain goose looking just like arthur all the more funny uh yes just playing goose is a great look uh and uh i i like this intro this game's intro is pretty good it reminds me of like a like a 90s sierra game or something Mm. uh so so here's a here's another question so we were talking about kind of how virtual goose can be so online and stuff like that how does the net code work all this kind of stuff so (laughs) all right I'm just trying, I'm trying to process this. So we've got the six kids who like match, of course, to each of the roles. It's Arthur, Buster, Muffy, uh, Francine, uh, Brain, and Binky, and they all match up to their corresponding goose. So do they have to be all of them online at the same time, or can you play at your own leisure and you're just in like a group of six? I, have I think no it's idea. the latter. I'm assuming. I don't think they have to be online at the same time necessarily. And I okay. feel like they're since their kids are probably going about it in an honor system kind of way. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I lost here, and they're probably just seeing how far each one can get. And and there's a great moment where Arthur's just like, I guess I have to be just plain goose. Uh, Brain is the one who immediately loses because, of course, she can't figure out this game's moon logic of, uh, you know it. The, uh, like you said, JV, there's like three options of what you can do at an impasse, and C is always do the hokey pokey. And Brain tries to get his peng- his uh, his penguin his goose to fly, but it doesn't pass the river, and he is so salty about it that it it, uh, it kicks off the rest of the story for this episode. But he is just like. Like, he loses, and then he's like, no. He goes to the library and researches why his goose should have been able to fly across. And it's just like, man, that's some salt like you've never seen before. <laughs> yeah, and Brain's on tilt from that point on. So much so <laughs> that he tries to uh, persuade the rest of the kids um, from playing the game to uh, uh, signing up for a camping trip. Uh, and, and, you know, so we could teach them all about how nature or surviving in the wilderness actually is. 
You ever get so salty from a video game you're forced to immediately go camping? <laughs> <laughs> that is some primo salt. See, me, when I'm salty with a game, uh, I'm, I'm one of those stubborn people where I will throw myself at it and just brute force it until I can beat a particular part. Like, mm. best, best, nope. of the, best of the nest, JV, once you're out, you're out. Yeah, it's true. It, it, that it seems true. like you get one shot, and then you're like perma banned from ever playing it again for some yeah, it's, reason. Yeah, it's that fa- it's that fable video game where it's like the the disc self destructs when you oh lose. My God. <laughs> I, I can already see the the two thousands reviews of Best of the Nest. It's the Dark Souls of virtual games. <laughs> like what? Chill. <laughs> oh man, yes, exactly. And and there is a great moment here again. We talk about how salty brain is. It's just like. Uh, you know, he's at, he's at the library, Binky's using the, the library computer and he's just like, look, judging by, you know, my type of goose, I should have been able to make it across the river. Binky's like, well, if you, well, if that's true, then why aren't you in the game anymore? And Brain's just like, cause it's a stupid game. And it's the, <laughs> and it's the kind of rage where it's like, oh, I've seen that before. I've seen that go the wrong way. I do got to say it, it, right before that scene happens, I do appreciate that little moment where Binky cyber bullies George into giving up the computer to him IRL. Like it's, it's too good. He's just like, aren't you done with that report yet? <laughs> I got a game to play. Oh, uh, we, we get a couple good lines in quick succession. Uh, when, uh, um, when brain is trying to uh, propose the idea of the camping trip to everybody and convince them uh, one of, um, he's uh, describing how it's going to be real nature, and Buster's like, "Will there be real food?" Uh, and then another <laughs> good line is when Muffy is kind of uh, describing why it's important for her to be the best of the nest. Uh, she's got all these. I didn't write them all down, but she makes a bunch of goose puns in quick succession. Uh, my favorite of which was she wants to be the commander of the gander. Brain is, yeah, organizing this camping trip. He almost gets everybody to go, but then they catch on that like Muffy does this thing of just like. I'm just like, oh, no, I'm too sick. I couldn't possibly go. And then everybody's like, hey, wait a minute. If we all go camping, then Muffy will just be the best of the nest. So we have to stay home. We can't go on the trip because they because they think that if she stays to become the best of the nest, she'll never let them live it down. And in this fantasy sequence, she has all these nicknames for herself, like she's AJ Styles or something. <laughs> and my favorite was Triple Crown of the Eider Down. <laughs> And the Man. face and the face that runs the place, Muffy Crosswire. It's funny because when I think it was Francina that scene that's like, "Can you pass the salt? Salt? Salt is for winners." And I was just thinking, <laughs> you know, maybe if this was tweaked just a little bit. <laughs> salt? Oh, you're plenty salty when the commander of the Gander's <laughs> looking looking down on you. All uh, right, Will. I, I know that Wizard Will's been around for a while, but I think Commander of the Gander might be the next evolution of your Hotmail <laughs> account. That's probably... <laughs> the next evolution of my Hotmail account is deletion. Let's be real. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It, it should have been deleted like a decade ago, but whatever. <laughs> whatever. No worries. I, I still have a couple things going there. Like my mother still emails me there. That's why I still have my Hotmail address. Uh and so someone Brain who is- needs someone who needs a hotmail address is Mr. Rappern because yes. Brain is unable to get anyone else to go to his trip, uh, and he's sort of mumbling to himself about it. And then Mr. Rappern overhears. We get a great little uh, flashback of little kid Mr. Rappern being amazed by the nature, walking around with a book and identifying all the aspects of nature, which I love. He always so, appreciate little kid Rappern. So there's that flashback to little kid Rappern. It's just like we've seen him like with his father doing these like math problems and like being 
like just a delightful little child and here he's like so excited about bird watching his childhood seems like it was nothing short of idyllic i know i i, I was i wrote down I, I i would love to see like a like just a whole episode about little kid mr rapper a whole or even a whole show about mr rapper as a kid it's it's you know he reminds me of um like the little kid from Up or something, like just so curious, yeah, uh, uh, and so willing to like take in his surroundings. Oh man, I I hope that that's more on the on the little kid from Up side of things, and it doesn't devolve into a uh, young rat burn, if oh, you will. No, that'd be, oh, that'd be less than ideal. Well, oh, I don't think ew. we have anything like that to worry about because we then uh, have whiplash from that to Mister Rapper being completely technologically illiterate uh, he's never I, he's never skied the webbing of the information freeway as it were <laughs> yes he is mr rapper in true boomer fashion uh doesn't know how to use a computer mm. um which and so we get this hilarious segment where brain's sort of showing mr rapper how to use a computer because mr rapper's excited to go on his camping trip with him and, and it's and, and it's the it's the whole nine lucas he's not like he's showing him how to turn on the computer rapper gets playing solitaire uh, he learns how to use a mouse before they get on the internet. And then we hear one of the two worst words in the English language. Ooh, chat, chat rooms. rooms. <laughs> <laughs> now, this I, is... I, this, I, I'm just saying Mr. Rapper would be a subreddit fiend. <laughs> oh, fiend. no. Fiend. Oh, my God. This is this is a bit of internet history for any of our younger listeners because back in the back in the old days of the 2000s internet in order to speak to anybody you had to go to chat rooms where it was just a free for all just everybody talking at the same time it was wild and especially here uh Mr. Ratburn finds a chat room about bunraku puppetry which is, I mean, good good going on your first try. But yeah, it was kind of a wild west out there. I remember this is um, this is something that was promoted on YTV, which was a channel that Lucas and I had in Canada. It was called Yabbernet. That was my first chat room that I remember going to because it was like four teens. Oh, man. I, a rapper right away just like immediately schools some dude. Like no ASL or nothing. He just straight up schools some man on the on the intricacies of puppetry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's just like philistine. This is like the something is not a traditional Japanese loot. That's the <laughs> biwa. Like, <laughs> and this is this episode is actually kind of a subtle. This is a subtle promotion for using the internet. Like Ratburn's life is immediately improved by using it. And um, it's it's true. He uh, later on. This is skipping ahead a little bit, but later yeah. on, Rapper apparently invented Amazon Prime like next day shipping because <laughs> he orders a canoe off the internet and is like, "I ordered this off the internet," but he, like, he didn't have it the night before. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he maybe he made an arrangement to pick it up at a local store or something. But still, that's even a little bit ahead of 2001. Uh, yeah, it seemed that Brain lost Ratburn to the internet for the weekend and uh, gave up on the camping trip. But then he, Ratburn comes to pick him up. And then they come to pick up everybody else, all of the other guys in the Best of the Nest group uh, for various reasons, such as... Uh, Arthur Arthur was doing pretty well, but then DW interfered in his game, made the wrong choice, and he died. That little goose and, ne- never stood a chance. And what a wrong choice that that was. The, I think the question was, the temperature's quickly dropping. Do you, A, 
cover yourself in, in, in dead leaves, B, cuddle up with a crocodile, or C, do the hokey pokey. And man, DW out here just ruining games. I'll give you a hint. He did not do the hokey pokey, and he did not go ahead and cover himself with dead leaves. And uh, Buster, Buster's mom made him stop playing because she said it would ruin his eyesight. And and the joke here is he goes, hey, Prunella, when did you learn how to drive to Mr. Ratburn? <laughs> and Binky, Binky said that uh, Miss Turner told him that he was hogging the school computer and that his his parents will get him a computer when pig when pigs or no, sorry, when it snows in July. So. That's rough. I feel like life's going to come at, uh, at Mr. Barnes real quick there whenever the internet's going to be a little bit more relevant uh, as his son approaches middle school and high school ages. No, that's true. It's true. It's, it, uh, Binky could be like, well, dad in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, all the guys are on this camping trip. I will say this. Uh, I have I have this note here of like how Brain is the one who kind of ejects from Best of the Nest and then, like, is the one to organize the camping trip because he's like, this is better than internet and all this kind of thing. You don't need that. Come on, guys. In real life, Brain would be the most online of any of the Arthur characters. That's true. He'd, he'd rather be on weird Twitter than uh, 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 go camping. Uh, I think they did, that, <laughs> they did that on purpose, though, right? To, like, subvert, like, this definitely seems like a Francine thing, like, trying to bring everybody camping. And I think it's kind of fun that it's the one, it's Brain that's the one that brings everybody together because he just wasn't good at best of the best. Fair enough. Uh, good point there. And this is actually, this scene here is the same as the cold open. We actually began in medias res, uh, which is a rarity for Arthur. Uh, they're all around the campfire. Buster's eating three pounds of beef jerky. And then they hear something in the bushes and they think it might be a mountain lion. And Binky in like, this is like straight out of a movie. This is straight out of an entertainment property where people don't understand video games. Where Binky goes, where's the escape button? I want to quit the game. <laughs> and, and Arthur's like, Binky, this isn't a game. This is real. That's right. You die in you die in best of the nest. You die in real life. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out in the bushes, it's actually Muffy and Francine and uh, her. I believe that's Bailey who is uh, uh, sh- sherpaing her uh, her belongings, and he just collapses. Uh, and they ended up uh, quitting best of the nest. Did they, they both lost out too, right? Or no? But none of them won. They lost the same part. I believe it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Neither, neither of them knew that they had to do the hokey pokey to scare a bear. Right, that's uh, it. And it, it that, because that was the one time you had to use the do the hokey, po- hokey pokey option. And then they put that knowledge to good use because then a real bear is heard in the bushes and everybody does the hokey pokey. A- and then the episode just kind of ends like the movie Inception <laughs> where it's like where the, it leaves the audience to assume maybe the bear ate them and the hokey pokey didn't work. <laughs> or maybe the the hokey pokey worked and the bear went away. We don't really get a conclusion. And I kind of love that, how it's just like, what do you think happened? Do you think the bear <laughs> ate them all? Or do you think the hokey pokey was... Because here's the thing about it this way. Uh, all of the information that Best of the Nest has given the kids thus far up to that point was incorrect. Mm. You shouldn't eat poison mushrooms. That bird would have yes. been able to fly over the, the stream. So, b- by that logic, I, I don't know... If I don't know about you guys, is doing the hokey pokey an effective way of dissuading a bear from eating you? 
Couldn't tell. I think you. it depends on the type of bear, right? Maybe mm. if it's a, <laughs> I don't know anything about bears. What am I even talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I, it's left to the audience to decide. Anyway, what a another weirdly dark ending, possibly <laughs> depending on how you interpret it. That's true, and that and that is it. That is uh, that's the end of the episode. So let's go down the line here. I'm gonna, uh, Lucas, if it's all right with you, I'm gonna let our guest. Uh, give first thoughts here as we rewind the clock back to Sue Ellen gets her goose cooked. JV, what did you make of the first episode of season six? I really liked it, honestly. I, I think I liked it a lot. I felt like uh, all the characters had some pretty good lines here and there, um, and I liked even just like the little things, like the kids with the with the with the safety goggles or the swimming goggles and things like that. Uh, again, this is like for me, a little bit of a time capsule kind of moment because you're seeing just like the precursor of today's internet just in, in some sort of ways, right? And it was just kind of like watching this, this, you know, something that I don't think necessarily is, is very accurate for today's times. But for me, it gave me that nostalgia of like, uh, you know, just, just the old styles of gaming of finding weird websites to find some random flash game that you and your friends would just be all about for a weekend or whatever. Um, and I really appreciated that element. I thought that DW was, you know, of course, from a plot perspective, definitely the, the hero of the story. But I think from a writing standpoint, really phenomenal as well. Just all of her hard negotiations with Arthur and whatnot. So personally, I really enjoyed this episode a lot. And I think of the two, it's it's definitely my favorite. Lucas. Uh, I, I like the episode. It's not like super standout, but uh, a really good start to season six. Uh, I liked that, like you said, JV, DW is a main character, but also Sue Ellen is kind of a main character in this episode as well, and I always appreciate when Sue Ellen gets to uh, uh, star. Um, but yeah, I, I think this episode is, uh, we'll get into this a little bit later, but I think it's kind of hindered by being paired with Best of the Nest. Um, because I, I like Best of the Nest a little bit more. Uh, but this episode is still really good. Uh, the dynamic between DW and Arthur is really a highlight for me, like her trying to get him to sign these contracts and him trying to avoid it. And then all the comedy with Emily in France and all those jokes are pretty funny as well. Uh, so overall for me, not a, like a super standout episode or anything, but a really solid uh, way to start off the season. I agree uh, that it's that it's a good opener. Um, it's I always I always really appreciate episodes of anything that have a good gimmick, and I feel like with both in, with both of these in respect, the video game gimmick I think works out pretty well. It's also a very interesting way to gauge how Arthur the show is changing as we've been watching it, because the I think the 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 closest thing to this that I can think of that Arthur's done before is the episode in the first season with uh, Deep Dark Sea, which back in the late 90s was a CD-ROM game. Now we're moving kind of into online and Flash games, which uh, I was watching a, gr- a great video from uh, Nakey Jakey on YouTube about the importance of Flash games. And it's just like, it's e- it, that's easy for me to forget. That was a huge part of my childhood too, uh, especially into junior high. And this really brought it back a little bit for me. And I actually, I, I liked how this kind of played out. There's a lot of really nice little touches in here from the screen names to the way that virtual goose looks and sounds to mm, the, the way that ki- we did mention it earlier the chiptune soundtrack in both of these episodes is super standout super accurate yes. you know sometimes cartoons get video game ru- music completely wrong um but the the chiptune stuff in this episode is really really cool 
And and to that and to that end as well, I feel like they did video games just right enough that it didn't seem jarring. That's that's a big failure of a lot of TV shows and entertainment in general is that like they don't know how to replicate video games because the writers or the people making the show don't play them. But this one was just right enough that I was that I was willing to suspend my disbelief. And you know, we had our questions about it and everything, but it was all in good fun. I thought that they acquitted themselves uh very well and i also really liked the message in this first step in this first episode of kind of sticking to your promises even if they're to yourself so i even though it was kind of thrown in at the end there i really appreciated that now for best of the nest uh jv go ahead yeah i i really enjoyed best of the, of the nest a lot as well like i already said i, I think i like the previous episode a little bit more just because i think it's it's more self-contained um, and I appreciate it, just like the, the little callbacks um, that uh, the previous episode had, whether it was, you know, the, the little joke at, at Rosebud or the pencil shavings, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but Best of the Nest was, was a really well-done episode as well. Um, there are some little moments here that have some really great callbacks, like um, that scene where Francine and Muffy are, are very sleepily trying to coerce the other to give up you could see in the background underneath muffy's feet is actually a woogle of all things <laughs> um and i i think that it does a, a good job um overall as an episode just with various jokes um i think that for me the highlight of that episode is Ratburn uh using a computer and, and exploring the internet for the first time uh, definitely stood out for me uh and it has really great moments for sure but i think for me i i, I guess like you know, to me, it felt like less like that particular game that they were playing felt less like a game than the previous one. Right. And I think that the story overall isn't nearly as contained. Uh, and for me, I felt that was that kind of hindered it a bit uh, in contrast to the previous one. But I felt overall, again, a, a great episode. And I really, really enjoyed it. Just not as much as the, the one before. Mm. Uh, go ahead, Lucas. I kind of loved Best of the Nest just because of how insane it is. Like it, the, <laughs> the the you're right, JV. Like the game, uh, they're totally different uh, portrayals of video games in these two episodes, right? Because the first one's very realistic of like, okay, this is like something that would be like an arcade game, very simple. Like you could kind of wrap your head around it. Works. Best of the Nest is just like whatever. Who cares? Like it's just like wait. So only these six kids can play this game in the world. Like what is going <laughs> on? Like none of it makes any sense. But I kind of love it. It's just the art style. Of the episode totally changes when they're playing the game. I really liked that. It looked like early Cartoon Network, like Dexter's Lab like hard outlines i appreciated that stuff i appreciated the stuff with you know uh, there's a lot of this episode that's secretly about how great it is to go camping and i always like that stuff as well um lots of funny like all the gags with like the different types of geese and the questions they have to answer all that stuff is so weird and i'm just kind of here for it um and yeah like you said highlight of the episode mr rapper and learning how to use the internet um i I just thought this episode's kind of – it's just strange. It's a completely different take than the other episode on, on what uh, the kids could do with video games. Um, and I just thought it's, it's it's just funny and weird, and that ending is just so odd. It's It, it reminds me of the ending of the um, – um, the louse episode with the lice and how the camera just zooms out on that lice getting stepped on. <laughs> yeah. and it's like, what a grim way to end an episode. And this episode ends with like, this bear might eat them. <laughs> we'll never find out if it did. And I was like, you know what? Bravo, Arthur. This is an Arthur episode. I'm not going to soon forget. And so for that reason, uh, is it, 
you know, objectively the best episode? Probably not, but did I love it? Yeah, I think I did. So I was getting ready to say that, like, uh, for me, the pr- the problem I have with this episode is that uh, the story kind of the story overall kind of doesn't come together for me. I I didn't have the same reaction to the ending as you did, Lucas. I kind of thought it was a bit anticlimactic, and I was like, oh, that's that's too bad. Uh, and the story it's the story itself kind of didn't do a lot for me. But man, just in the talking about it, there's so many elements here at play that almost kind of rise above the story and make it like you said very memorable um just all the characters the game itself the characters interactions with the game uh i thought were really fun i loved the announcer voice uh in the in the game as well along with how it was designed very clever stuff and uh the characterization of ratburn this is him and his kind of kookiest which i really appreciate uh being able to let our hair down with the way that ratburn is kind of uh, portrayed in the show it's great and I think that it'll lead to great stuff later on as well um, it's just it's it is just a lot of fun and I was actually getting ready to say that I think I liked the Sue Ellen episode better but I don't know I think I'm kind of changing my mind I think best of the nest by your logic Lucas it being kind of the more memorable of the two I think it does succeed and they're both they're both really fun I think this is a great way to start off season six it makes me feel uh really positive about what we the season that we have to come and there we have it I'm really glad that we could start the sixth season of Arthur in this in this way not just with uh, a good pair of episodes, but also uh, with a good friend. And I'm glad that I was finally able to introduce you guys, Lucas and uh, JV. It's been a great time here. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely been a, a lot of fun uh, getting to uh, beat the other half uh, of ECL. Uh, and uh, I don't know if there are any future gaming-oriented episodes or not, uh, but it would be uh, definitely a lot of fun if we could, we could do this again in some kind of capacity, whether that's just playing games on, on Overwatch or uh, maybe Lucas giving some fresh commentary when I spank Will in Windjammer. Oh, Either I- way... I'm, I'm definitely down. I'm definitely here for that. Or maybe there might be a rapping Arthur episode in the future. Who knows? Ooh, but J E C E for Life for Life already happened. So <laughs> there's, True. Th- there's got there's gotta be. I mean, we've got like fifteen seasons left. They have to have done rap for one episode. You gotta believe. I got you. Straight out of Elwood. Yeah. <laughs> uh so before we get going, first of all, J V, uh, where can people find you and what you got going on for twenty nineteen? Yeah, you can find me uh, on uh, Twitter and on Twitch at uh, jvarg1990. Uh, for 2019, I'm going to be really heavy into into things like streaming and content creation and whatnot. Uh, and I'm also going to be hitting up a variety of esports events as well as business conferences. Uh, so if you're looking for somebody to bring on board, whether that's um, some kind of speaking talent for your gaming event, uh, panel moderator for your business conference, or if you just want to watch uh, some dude struggle at, at playing video games, feel free to uh, follow me and check me out. Should be a good time. And before before we get out of here, to, it, I mean... Uh, th- this was uh, th- this was a, a real slam dunk we were able to get with all three of us here, so I don't want to waste this opportunity. Uh, Lucas, you talked about it in uh, one of the, phil- the the most recent filibuster episode on our Patreon, but since JV's here, uh, do you mind telling us about a, some of your favorite hip hop from 2018? Oh well, it's gonna be it's it, you know I'm a uh, I'm a person of contrasts. It's it's the Pusha T album. 
but it's also the Drake album. It's also the Drake album. Uh, it's also the Travis Scott album. Uh, uh, I know those are, you know, pretty mainstream choices, but I got to go where my heart lies. Uh, and I, I really have, it's embarrassing, but I truly have listened to that Drake album a lot. Uh, oh, I know, I know, I know. Uh, no, I mean, it, it, look, I, I, look, I'm not one of those guys who hates Drake just because he's Drake, right? I feel like Drake is really talented at what he does. JV, uh, I'm Canadian. I can't help it. I know, I know, I know. But for me, what I love about uh, Pusha T's album, which was definitely one of my favorite albums, and, and um, Kid See Ghost, which was actually my favorite hip-hop album of this year, was that they were just really small focused condensed products oh yeah which is the opposite of that drake album exactly uh, drake's album is like it's like an hour it's almost like two hours long and honestly it feels like an hour and a half too long (laughs) uh but for me you know like i said before kitsy ghost is is by far my favorite hip-hop project i think of this year um with with pusha t's uh, daytona being a, a close second um i think the the mainstream album that surprised me the most was was travis scott's astroworld i felt like from a production perspective that was absolutely phenomenal and i think that the most slept on hip-hop album of the year was the book of ryan by royce to five nine Ooh, uh, that, that is are... that is a really good choice yeah I'll, honestly i don't think uh, enough people have have heard it i feel like you know, some of the things that, that people are saying, how, how some folks feel like it's, um, you know, Royce, it's on, on the same level of an album like uh, Good Kid, Mad City, I feel like is a little bit too extreme, but I still think it's by far uh, Royce's best project in a very, very long time and, and an incredibly slept on listen this year if you're looking for some, some good hip hop and, and a pretty good story as well. That being said, all that being said, my wife and I, last weekend, we saw um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which was absolutely phenomenal. Oh, but I can't wait to see it. The, I'm going on Saturday. There's, there's no, no spoilers here, but in the background of Miles Morales' room is uh, Chance the Rapper, right? And my wife was like, oh, look, it's Coloring Book, right? She whispered to me and said, it's Coloring Book. But I looked closer at the hat, and instead of the three that's on Coloring Book, it's actually a four, which means Miles oh. Morales is living in a world where Chance's fourth album is dropped. And that's honestly my most anticipated hip-hop project going into 2019 by far. For me, Coloring Book was my favorite album of that year, and I think I liked it so much I went ahead and made it my favorite album of the following year as well because of how much my wife and I loved that album. Uh, and I'm really stoked for Chance's next next project, to say the least. It's going to be con- absolutely incredible. I tend to agree. Uh, the on- uh, But guys... Eminem came out with an album this year. Come on. All right. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll. <laughs> I will say it's one of those albums, you know, on first lesson, you're like, man, this is pretty good. But then like it, it, you know, unlike some of these other albums that we've been listing off, it loses that replay, replay value pretty considerably because it goes for like the shock factor more than anything else. And that's a bit of a pity. Like for me, I think, especially when you talk about constructing like a line um, and developing deep internal rhyme schemes and things like that. I think that Eminem is arguably still the best rapper on the planet, but I just feel like in terms of making albums, like I, I don't think we're ever going to be back on the level of the Marshall Mathers LP or, or the Eminem show, to be frank. But that Venom single though, Oh jeez. Oh, okay. Come on. <laughs> I mean, okay. So, so, so it's it's we gotta. <laughs> we'll be we'll talking say, about I, this. We'll be talking about this all day. 
True. Uh, yeah. But I will say, if, if, if you'll let me just interject really quickly. Go ahead. So go many ahead. people were talking about, uh, what's it called? Like, um, Killshot being like the, the diss track of the year. Mm. But they slept on Story of Adidon. That was the most brutal diss track I have heard since Hit Em Up. Oh, definitely. Absolutely murdered Drake. And I know Lucas, you know, being Canadian, like that. It's a little tough to hear, but you just got to admit it. You no, no, no. I, I, I concede. I concede, JV. I, I know credit where credit is due. All right. Uh, the only thing I'll add to this is if you haven't watched it yet, uh, go watch Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix. Great show. Uh, I've been watching it the last couple of days, and I've been I've been really getting into these new artists like Big Daddy Kane and Digital Underground. These Ooh. these young up and comers. All right. Well, JV, I want to thank you very much for joining us. And uh, Lucas, of course, great to hear from you again as well. Uh, here at the end of the holiday season, going into 2019, we've got so much more for you to come uh, over here on the main feed on our Patreon. We want to thank all of our patrons going into 2019 and, uh, yeah, and beyond. And I think we've got some really fun stuff uh, coming up for you. In fact, uh, the next episode of ECL, Lucas, we're going to be talking about Arthur Plays the Blues and Buster's Sweet Success. Ooh, exciting. All right, so for Elwood City Limits, as we go forward into 2019, my name's Will Young for JV. Oh, man, I totally forgot that I was supposed to say something here. Like, <laughs> full disclosure, I, I, you know, like, I'm so used to Lucas just saying it at that point. Uh, well, uh, then, why don't, why, then why don't we let the master do it? And, uh, I, and I, do I ever have one for this time? And for Lucas Mancini. Long live two-handed mammals. (laughs) (laughs) See you next time, guys.